Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, this is Leonard Birdsong, and this is the Leonard Birdsong Radio Show. I'm Leonard Birdsong. My girlfriends call me Leonardo. But this show is going to be a unique blend of humor, opinion, storytelling, and information. I've done radio before. Some of you may have known me back when I was in Washington, D.C. I did uh, WPFW and WRC. And in Orlando, I've done things on WDBO. But here I am now on Talk Zone Radio, and I am so happy to be with you. One of the things I'm going to do is uh, read some news stories, some News stories about dumb criminals. Those are some stories that I collect. I love the stories. As a law professor, I have to write serious things, but sometimes you need to find some of the funny things out there. Also on today's show, we're going to talk to one of my former colleagues who's a specialist in uh, constitutional law and criminal procedures. She's going to talk to us about what happens when you get arrested. And then we're going to have a fellow from the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum here in Orlando to talk about some of his strange finds and maybe some things that are crazy in the law. But let me start with some of my news stories. I call them dumb news stories. But uh, I'm going to start with some stories from overseas. And we'll go to Australia first. Now, you have to listen to the headlines. These are true stories. There's no fake news on Leonard Birdsong Radio. All this is true. The headline read, he robbed himself blind. A clumsy bandito accidentally pepper sprayed himself, according to a police report. The thief and a partner stole sleep apnea gear and ran from a Perth pharmacy. But a worker chased them down. One of the bandits whipped out a can of mace Unfortunately, the can was facing the wrong direction when he pressed down on the nozzle. <laughs> Listen, I got the peanut gallery here with me. Are you there, peanut gallery? Okay, okay, we get it. You, you, you like the story. You like the story. Okay. Next story is also from Australia. The headline read, No FWD. That is, no frying while driving. Police in the city of Adelaide, Australia, spotted a strange-looking Mazda and pulled it over to find its steering wheel had been replaced with a frying pan. Police impounded the car after they discovered that the 32-year-old driver was uninsured. Now, here's one. Uh, okay, okay, Peanut Gallery, we, we know it's funny. Let's listen to the next news story. This next one comes from Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso is an African country, a West African country. Here's the headline. Just how big were their bim-bims? We learn that this Western African nation, Burkina Faso, recently banned an annual beauty contest for women with the biggest rear ends. The last August, or the last weekend, sorry, the last weekend in August of 2016 would have been the third annual Miss Bim Bim pageant 
before government officials cancel it for being too sexist and degrading. Quote, our role is to do everything to avoid damaging the image of our women, end quote, by the Minister of Information, Minister Lowry Zongo. Again, we want to know just how big were their bim-bims. <laughs> Here's one from Germany. I've had the chance to live in Germany, so I know a little German. I remember some of the language training I had. The headline read, Kleiner Dummkopf. That means little dummy. A young boy pulled off a great heist when he stole a bus, and none of the passengers even noticed the lad was behind the wheel. The 11-year-old troublemaker said he found a key to the privately owned bus and decided to take it for a joy ride in this town of Ingolstadt. No one was injured, and the boy was released to his mother. Boy, what a little juvenile delinquent in the making, huh? <laughs> All right. This is the last one for a while here. This story comes from India. The headline. Kite string throat cutting mishap kills three. This is a report out of the New Delhi newspaper, which reveals that three people, including two children, died after their throats were slashed by glass-coated kite string used in competitions to bring down kites of rivals. A girl, three, riding with her parents in a car, had her head out of the sunroof when her throat was cut by the string. The other victims were a four-year-old boy who was also looking out of the sunroof of a car, and then a man who fell off a motorbike after his throat was cut by the string that became tangled around his neck. The deaths occurred in August of 2016 during India's Independence Day when many people fly kites to celebrate. The report further reveals that New Delhi has banned the sale of glass-coated kite strings following the three deaths. Thank heavens. All right, that's enough of that for a while. These stories never end. This is not fake news. These are all real stories that I collect. Sometimes I put them on my blog, which is www.birdsongslaw.com. You can read my stories, and I also have several books. But now I, I want to tell you that this is actually January the 19th, 2017. Tomorrow is Inauguration Day. In Washington, D.C., Donald Trump is going to be sworn in as the president of the United States. Swearing in takes place on the steps of the United States Capitol. And we wish him well. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. We will see. Now, everyone knows there's going to be an inaugural parade after the swearing in. But I'm going to tell you folks a little bit about me. I actually marched in an inaugural parade many years ago. I was an 18-year-old ROTC cadet at Howard University, and I had to march with the rest of the ROTC in Lyndon Johnson's parade. A cold, cold day in January. The parade route is about two miles, just about two miles, but it was something that you probably do once in a lifetime. So we will see what happens tomorrow. We hope and pray that Mr. Trump will be a good president, we hope and pray. Now, there's some things on my mind. I'm not going to talk badly about Donald Trump. I want to give him a chance, but some of his election tactics have made things divisive, and people are saying and doing things that I just don't like. Now, you know, you, you may disagree with me, 
But I have some things here that just get on my nerves. We have in Washington, D.C. now a new pro-white think tank. It's uh, led by a guy by the name of Richard Spencer. He's a young man in his early 30s. He's a college graduate. And uh, this think tank is to push white supremacy. It's, he calls it the alt-right coming to town. Richard Spencer is the one that coined the phrase alt-right. After the Trump election at their conference in Washington, D.C., 200 of the people in his think tank stood up and gave the Heil Hitler salute, but it was to Heil Trump. Now, Heil in German means hail. So, hail Trump, I don't know. Mr. Spencer says he wants to turn America into a country that's only for white folks. Ain't going to happen, Mr. Spencer. As a matter of fact, as some of you know, black people have been in what is now the United States since 1619. The first black slaves were brought to the Virginia colony by some Dutch seamen, and they were sold to the Virginia colonists. Now, this was one whole year before the Mayflower came, so we were here before the Mayflower. I don't think people of color are going away. Another troubling story, and again, none of this is fake news, is we have a headline, a Dairy Queen owner in Illinois unleashed a, unleashed a racist tirade, tirade against a customer, and now he no longer has his business. Basically, the story is a long one, but some people came in, and um, they wanted some ice cream, and I guess they got the orders wrong when the mother complained the owner went into a tirade, used the N-word, and kicked them out of their store. The mother put the story up on Facebook, and uh, he said, don't ever come back here again. Later that week, he found that Dairy Queen had canceled his franchise. He's out of job, out of a business. You just don't do this, okay? It's no need. Just no need. So that bothered me, but what can I say? Another thing, we're talking about, I guess, incivility. You've probably all heard of the one where the lady in West Virginia came under fire for racist comments about Michelle Obama. This was back in November. She, uh, The mayor of a tiny town in West Virginia has apologized, and the director of a local government-funded nonprofit was removed from her position following a firestorm over racist comments about Michelle Obama. Obama. What did she say? Well, after Donald Trump's election as president, Pamela Ramsey, the I'm sorry, Pamela Ramsey Taylor, director of the Clay County Development, took to Facebook to comment on the upcoming shift from Michelle Obama to Melania Trump. Trump, rather, reporting it will be so refreshing to have a classy, beautiful, dignified first lady in the White House. She added, "I'm tired of seeing an ape in heels." And I guess referring to Michelle Obama. Well, she lost her job. She was first suspended and now she's been fired because the nonprofit organization she worked in had a non-discrimination pact. So she lost her job and I say good for her. You can be racist and you can hate people, but you shouldn't spread it on the Internet like that. Michelle Obama's not an ape in heels. She was a very classy woman who went to Harvard Law School a Princeton undergraduate, a very accomplished woman. 
Here's the last story of these things that I want to tell you about. It was um, a police officer, young police officer in training in Pennsylvania. She's out of a job now. Why? She posted a photo of herself in her uniform on social media and used a racial slur. The McKeesport mayor, that's the town of Pennsylvania where she lived, said the white officer identified as Melissa Adamson was recently hired and she was in training. The image she put up on her Facebook said it showed her taking a selfie in uniform with the caption, quote, I'm the law today, in words, end quote. Upon seeing this, she was fired from her job. She says, I'm sorry, but I'm not a racist. Well, if you're not, just keep it to yourself. All right, the final one, the final one, the final one. This one comes out of uh, Georgia, where an elementary school school aide, Jane Wood Al- Adam, I'm sorry, Jane Wood Allen, kept referring to Michelle Obama as a gorilla in her Facebook post. Her school found out about it. She lost her job. Now, these opinions of these certain people, and it's all right to have an opinion, but keep it to yourself. Don't spread it all over. So enough of that. What do you think about that peanut gallery? All right, then. Well, there's going to be more to come. I tell you my opinions and some of the things I've done in life, but I, this alt-right and these things about calling people the N-word and kicking them out of their shop, that's going a little bit beyond the pale. Well, as I say, we have a big show here. We're going to have a guest coming on pretty soon. His name is Robert Worf. Robert Worf was a colleague of mine. He's a law school professor for many years. And we're going to talk a little bit about arrests and what are your rights under the Constitution. So stay with us. We've got a lot more to come. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited, nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. 
Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. And this is Leonard Birdsong back with you on Leonard Birdsong Radio. We've got our first guest, uh, 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 actually an old colleague of mine, Robert Wharf. He's a graduate of Brown University and the Syracuse University School of Law. Many for, for many years, he worked uh, in the Legal Aid Society and was a public defender in upstate New York. But the majority of his career has been in law teaching at three different law schools. For the last 16 years, he was at the Barry University School of Law in Orlando. His teaching expertise falls into the area of constitutional law, criminal procedure, especially search and seizure issues under federal and state constitutions. Bob Worf, are you there? I'm here, Professor Birdsong. Well, it's so good to hear from you, Bob. Thank you for coming on my first show. Uh, you know, I talk about things in the law and things that are on my mind. You may have heard a little bit of the show. I actually have in my hand here a little pamphlet talking about the Fourth Amendment, and you know much about it. It says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person and things to be seized. That's all the Fourth Amendment says. Let's amplify on that. Is an arrest a seizure? An arrest of a person, using those two words, arrest, uh, seizure, and person, from the language you just quoted, those are, that amounts to an arrest as most people know it. Mm -hmm. So the Fourth Amendment that you just read prohibits government from seizing a person, seizing any of us, uh, without probable cause to do so. Okay, what is probable cause, Bob? Well, probable cause has been, it's a, it's a there's not a real definite, definition, but the United States Supreme Court has made it clear that probable cause does not truly mean probable in the sense of more likely than not, 51% and up. Mm -hmm. uh, what it mm -hmm. does mean, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, is a substantial likelihood. I used to... When we would read a number of cases from the U.S. Supreme Court in my law school classes, uh, we would come to the conclusion that probable cause in terms of odds probably is somewhere in the one out of three range or better. 
Okay. More probable than not, though, doesn't make it, huh? Right. So <laughs> substantial likelihood to believe that someone has committed an arrestable offense. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't need to have a warrant, the police, that is, generally don't need to have a warrant if they see you doing something that's criminal. That's obvious. But they can't arrest you in your house without a warrant. Is that right? That is correct, except under very extraordinary and dangerous circumstances. Mm-hmm. Normally, mm-hmm. to go into anyone's home, they need a search warrant. Right, right. So what when someone gets arrested either on the street for doing something or they have a search warrant to arrest you or something like that in your home, what can you do? What should you say or what should you not say? Well, I think the the two situations are different, uh, arrest versus a search warrant. So let me just quickly hit each of the two. If somebody comes to our home, if police come to our home with a search warrant and that gives them authority to come in and search, whether we like it or not, we do have the right to ask to see the actual search warrant Right. uh, in the law of most states and and federally. Uh, But that's all. That's the only power we really have on on Mm. the search warrant. Mm -hmm. Now, with, with an arrest, whether it's by an arrest warrant or, as you pointed out, very often there's no arrest warrant. Police come up to us on the street and they slap the handcuffs on. We're under arrest. What rights do we have? All right. Well, we've been seized, so police need to have probable cause, but we're not going to be able to contest that or raise that issue until we get to court. So right. my advice at a very practical level, I always used to tell my clients, the best thing to do if you wind up getting arrested, cooperate fully with the police, except don't talk to them about the crime until you have your uh, lawyer present or have talked with your lawyer. So that means keep your mouth shut in a way. So let's let me just ask, you've been arrested and you don't, I guess you get a preliminary hearing to determine whether there was probable cause, but what about the, the concept of custodial interrogation? The police have a right to try to get information out of you. Isn't that true? That is true. Um, and certainly for most serious crimes, police seek to do that. So they, you know, the arrested person may get taken out of their jail cell and into an interrogation room and be questioned in the presence of uh, police with no one else there. Now, this right. is where the famous Miranda warnings come in, and I'm sure all your listeners have seen it a hundred times on television where police tell someone you have the right to remain silent. Uh, and Anything said can, can be used against you in a court of law. Yep. You have a have a right to an attorney for your defense. If you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. There it is. So, Those are the warnings. Yep. Now, so so the again, you have the right to keep your mouth shut, right? Absolutely. But once you start talking, does that cut it off? And then you say, I don't want to talk anymore. No, that, you can do that. You can invoke that right to silence under Miranda warnings anytime. You can talk for five minutes and say, nope, don't want to talk anymore. 
and the police have to honor that. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you, do you know, Bob, that I think the Miranda warnings, this is the, well, just the end of 2016, the 50th year, can you believe that? No, that's right. It was 1966 when that's uh, right. that, very, that famous decision was made by the Supreme Court. Miranda versus Arizona, or was it Arizona versus Miranda? And it was Miranda versus Arizona. <laughs> <That's> a good <laughs> memory. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, now let's talk about a couple of other words here. I, again, custody. Just what does custody mean when we're talking about the Fourth Amendment and talking about arrest? Well, custody, it means being under physical arrest, not not free to go with some uh, longevity to it. In other words, if it's just a brief stop on the street, police officer sees you and says, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute, and mm-hmm. you stop and engage the police officer in conversation for a few minutes, that's not custody. But obviously, that, on the other that, end of the extreme, police officer comes up and points a gun at you and says, you're not going anywhere. That probably is custody, along all right. with, with hands. So you can't, so, so you can't go anywhere. You, your freedom of movement is limited. So what is a Terry stop? You always hear about that. Right, and that's kind of what I was referring to a minute ago when I said if it's if a police officer were to come up to one of us on the street and simply say, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute, that's you're not free to go under that circumstance uh, normally if the police officer has been that clear. Uh, but it's if it's brief and there's no physical restraint with it, that's called what you just referred to as a Terry stop, a brief investigative detention. That's not custody. And its purpose is for the police, theoretically, to be to do some investigating mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. asking questions. All right, I understand. Now our time is running. There's something else I want to talk about when you're stopped in your car. You know, can police say you got a broken tail light or a broken headlight? Do police have the right to arrest you uh, and and search your car for something like that? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, very controversial. Well, first of all, police, as most of us know, if we've been stopped a time or two for a traffic offense, if police have probable cause to believe we've violated a traffic law, speeding, rolling through a stop sign, whatever, uh, they do have the right to stop us. And then we'll see the blue lights on behind us, and they'll pull us over. Now, as to whether or not they can... They normally cannot search our car on a traffic stop unless we allow them to do so. And it's mm. been a lot of cases where police stop somebody for a traffic offense and then say to the driver, do you mind if I search your car? If you mm. say yes to that, then you've given them full permission to search the car. Now, I remember, let me just stop you, Bob. I remember you wrote a big article about something like that years ago, something that was happening up in Volusia County. That's right. There were lots of those over on I-95 in Volusia County years ago, and the real purpose of the police uh, in those instances was to try to find drug couriers, those who had illegal drugs in the car in quantity and were running them from South Florida 
to places north. And they would use the traffic offense. Well, you weaved over the line a little bit or you didn't signal your lane change, something they probably wouldn't have really bothered to stop you for otherwise. And then they would ask for consent to search. And many times they got that consent. But so you don't have to consent if they ask, right? Absolutely right. But sometimes they will call, okay, so we're going to hold you until we get a drug-sniffing dog to come out. Can they do that? Most jurisdictions do allow them a certain period of time to do that. I mean, if they detained you for three hours, four hours, half a day with no dog showing up, then then you're in custody illegally. Right, Uh, right. Most jurisdictions say as long as the drug-sniffing dog or other detection device gets there quickly enough, no problem. Mm-hmm. And that would develop if the dog comes and sniffs and says, yep, boss, there are drugs in the trunk there. Now there's probable cause to believe a crime has been committed. And based on our earlier conversation, then there would be the basis for arrest for a crime. Okay, so let's go back, Bob. And again, I call you Bob because I've known you so well. You are Robert Wharf. I'll just tell our our audience, and you are a well-respected law professor who's now taking his retirement. What happens, though, if you get stopped on I-95 or anywhere else for a broken headlight or weaving over the line or something like that? The police pull you over, and they give you a ticket, and then they say, uh, do we have permission to search? You should probably say no, whether you have anything in the car or do. I mean, when I say anything in the car, I mean contraband. Is that right? Yes. That that would be the that would be the advice that any serious criminal defense lawyer would give to a client. Don't so, don't consent in the same but, way that you don't talk to the police about any criminal offense if arrested. Right. So wait until you get a lawyer. Wait until your preliminary hearing. But let's then talk about some people just can't help from blurting things out. They're called spontaneous utterances in the law. Can those be used against you? Yes. <laughs> the the only answer is yes right away you didn't even have to think about that police yeah, arrest you and then you blurt out i didn't mean to steal my wife's car <laughs> yeah, exactly then those you know the truth is stranger than fiction those things do come up and we've seen them in the reports leonard in the court reports yeah we know all about that well bob it's really good talking to you about these things maybe people have learned a little couple of things about criminal procedure. That's what we've actually been talking about. If you are arrested, you don't have to say anything. You're not obligated to say anything if it's what I would consider a legal arrest. Uh, but you should get an attorney as soon as you can. All and right. The last point on that, Leonard, the law, the constitutional law does permit, uh, even if people can't afford a lawyer, as soon as they're charged with a crime, they have the right to ask the court for a lawyer, and a lawyer must be appointed free of charge. Yep, that's right. That that comes from the Miranda warnings. Yep. All right, Bob, it's so great. I thank you for that. Uh, I know your retirement seems to be going well, and I hope we've enlightened people. Peanut Gallery wants to give you some applause. <laughs> All right. My pleasure, Leonard. We'll see. All right. So good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on my inaugural show. All right, Leonard. Yep. Bye now. Okay. Bye bye. 
Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Leonard Birdsong back with you. Yes, and I am still Professor Birdsong, but you don't have to be that formal. You can call me Leonardo like my girlfriends do. We've got another guest with us, and for over 35 years, our guest, Edward Meyer, has traveled around the world collecting unusual stories and unbelievable artifacts to fill... Believe it or not, books and museums. He's a walking encyclopedia of information, some strange, some gross, but all true. He's acquired over 20,000 different museum artifacts, everything from a pin valued at a million dollars to a two-trunked elephant. My, my, my. Mr. Meyer, are you there? I am, Leonardo. I couldn't help but hear <laughs> girlfriends. In that well, you know, hey. Oh, my goodness. What a start. <laughs> well, listen, we want to know something about you and what you're collecting. It's a great museum here in Orlando. I want to know if you found out any sort of legal oddities that you want to tell us about. Well, I can talk a little bit about legal, but let me just start by saying, you know, we've got 33 uh, Ripley auditoriums, and we use the word auditorium rather than museums to acknowledge that we're just a little bit stranger than the average attraction. But 30, <laughs> 33 in 10 countries. Wow. Uh, my primary job with the company is that I'm the guy that buys the exhibits for all 33 of those locations. And I've been at it uh, going on 39 years now. Uh, you listed off a couple of the things I've bought. And, uh, you know, you name it, I've dealt with it at some point. And legally, uh, my, my issues are always with the customs people, you know, what I can bring across the border, yeah, right, what I can right. ship out. And I, I've had some fun experiences, uh, uh, perhaps uh, the most unusual being a television show, Um Boy, I, th I think it's called Border Wars, uh, filmed out of Australia. Okay. And um, they, they uh, you know, I was sort of knowing that the, that the show existed and that they were going to meet me at the airport, but I didn't realize they were going to meet me and be filming as I got off the 20-hour you know, <laughs> flight. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of prep time or, or instructions. But one of the things I was carrying with me is a 19th century vampire killing kit. And this vampire a, killing kit? <laughs> what was it, a, a wooden stake? Well, it's a wooden stake and a few other things, but a, a very nice little wooden travel box. Uh, 
This is an authentic item that uh, originates in America for people going to Eastern Europe slash Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a wooden stake, has a pistol with several bullets, has some garlic, has a Bible, has a crucifix, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a certain number of items all dealing with how you're going to uh, save yourself if you should meet a vampire. Well, uh, as I said, I was uh, knowing that they were coming, but not quite prepared for what went down. And they confiscated the pistol in the kit. And, um, you know, and I'm begging and pleading and doing whatever I am. And they're considering it acting, but I'm considering it reality. (laughs) And um, they they confiscated my gun, which was going to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, I understand uh, they don't like people bringing guns into Australia, huh? I got it a week later without too much difficulty once I was ready to leave, but uh, they they wouldn't let me carry it with me. Now, the funny thing here was that, you know, it it was quite clearly not usable. uh, Right. uh, And it was, you know, circa 1840s, a very fancy little Derringer. Um, But what they wouldn't acknowledge... Uh, is that because it didn't have a serial number, uh-huh. they, couldn't, they couldn't track it. Right. Therefore, it was illegal. All right. Now, the, again, so where, it, so where in the it, heck did you find this, Mr. Meyer? Well, we have uh, we have several vampire killing kits. Uh, most of them come from New Orleans. Um, a couple came from Boston, but they were all made in Boston. Uh, in the 1830s, 1840s, the inside of the kit is virtually always identical. You know, uh, the items I suggested earlier. Yeah, yeah. It depends on your personal wealth. You know, do you want a monogram? Do you want oak or maple? Do you want brass <laughs> handles or gold handles? So some of them are quite elaborate looking. Uh, and basically, it's a, it's a fancy box. But... Um, pretty rare item you, you know i i think we have over 20 in our collection uh but i'm not sure i've seen more than two or three anywhere else so you know wow. maybe less than 30 of them in the world sort of thing and um as i said we we have a uh, most of them or a majority came from a, an antique shop called ms rao uh in new orleans and i hmm. guess bill rao is just tickled pink by them that anytime he's Finds one. I'm the first guy he calls, and I have a I have a feeling he's probably out there looking hard for them because he just really has an interest in vampires too. Well, I had never heard of a vampire killing kit. Tell us about something else that's that's weird like that that may have to do with the law. All right. Well, I, I'm going to keep personal first, and uh, if you get tired of me talking about my own life, then we'll go somewhere else. But uh, one of the most unusual things that's ever happened to me, legal-wise, was a visit from the FBI. Uh-oh. And, and, and I've actually had two of those in my life, so I can tell you about both of them. But but the, we we have a stretch limousine covered in English pennies, all plated in 10-karat gold. Okay? It, it is the most you know, amazing, elaborate car you could imagine. We've actually only driven it once in the, in the many years we've owned it. 
and I was in the car when it was being driven. I wasn't the driver, but I was in the car. And we just did a, a very short little run down the major highway here in Orlando, Florida, I-4, mm-hmm. and and thought no more about it. Took it from point A to point B, and that was that. Several months later, FBI comes to our door. Uh, is there an Edward Meyer here? Uh, Edward Meyer, do you own a gold coin covered car? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they actually called it that. I think they just called it a gold car at the time. And, you know, well, sir, I bought it and I guess my name's on the paper, but no, I don't really own it. It belongs to the company. And I had no idea why they were at my door and wondered what the heck this was going to be all about. Well, I wonder it what it's all out, about. Yeah, tell us. Turned out that we had driven by a murder occurring on a side road parallel to the to the highway. And one of the witnesses, virtually the only thing that they could visualize was that they'd seen this <laughs> gold car in the background. So all they really wanted was to know if we saw anything. <laughs> Were we witnesses to the crime as well? And we weren't. Uh, but it was absolutely baffling. Six months or so after the the incident, that, and, you know, like I'm going, we only ever drove this car once. You know, what can this <laughs> be about? But there you go. It was such a Can't, big impression that it was uh, involved in a witness protection well, type situation. Isn't that something? Well, people who come to your auditorium in Orlando, will they see that car? No. Um, it's up in Panama City Beach, Florida. Okay, well, it's still in Florida. That's the good it's thing. Still, okay. Well, listen, before we let you go, let's let me let, let me ask you a little bit about how you got Marilyn Monroe's lingerie and Lee Harvey Oswald's mortuary toe tag. All right. Well, both interesting stories. I need to update the uh, the PR piece though, because uh, just a month ago, uh, late November, we bought uh, Marilyn Monroe's dress that she wore to sing happy birthday to President JFK in 1992. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember now that. Now the world's most expensive dress. We paid $4.81 million for this dress. And I don't think anybody's going to you know, care about her underwear anymore. This, this dress is pretty darn fancy. But, wow, uh, $4 million. In 1999, there was an estate auction held by Christie's in New York of Marilyn Monroe. And uh, we bought about a million and a half dollars worth of Maryland personal items at that time, including uh, two negligees, a brassiere, and uh, some skimpy little nylon stockings. So we, we, do, we do actually have her lingerie, but uh, my goodness, uh, I think we've, we're all going to forget that because this dress is you know, just the most beautiful thing we've ever purchased and, and the most expensive to date, you know. Well, that sounds good. What about the toe tag? Harvey toe Oswald's tag, toe mortuary tag toe tag. Interesting one. Um, we we have uh, bought at an auction in in Florida actually uh, many years ago. The neighbor's car that drove Lee Harvey Oswald to the assassination of JFK. So wow, uh, un- unknowingly we got a connection here. Uh, so the car is, you know, a big full-size 1954 Hudson, uh, kind of a neat car, lots of chrome. And we have a display of Lee Harvey Oswald items uh, with the car as the centerpiece in our museum in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, 
Uh-huh. We, we had a visitor to our museum who said, well, you know, it's not as big and fancy as your car, but I know where the, you know, Harvey Oswald's toe tag is. And we ended up buying it from a DJ who auctioned it for a charity for the family, uh, the Oswald family. Uh, I, I think it was the, the, the sister that was in possession of it. Tiny little thing. It's only a couple inches square, but it has a, a couple lines written by the, the doctor who did the uh, um, uh, autopsy, and it's plasticized with a little lock of his hair attached to it. So if for any reason anybody wants DNA of Lee Harvey Oswald, Ripley's, believe it or not, has it. And All that right. That's great to know. To the bigger display well, in San Antonio. Well, well, this is uh, fascinating, Mr. Meyer. I'm glad you came on with me. Um, we do have an auditorium here in Orlando, and our listeners can go see it. They have some interesting, interesting things there. Well, thank you so much for being on Leonard Birdsong Radio. We'll have to have you come back later again and talk about some more of your finds, all right? Well, I was going to say, as a local guy, you know where to find me. We'd be happy to come on as often as you want us. All right. I do know where to find you. It's been so good. Always uh, something new uh, on at Ripley's. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. All right, that was our our last guest. Uh, We're going to take a pause for the cause here, and I'll be back with you. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Leonard Birdsong is back with you. And this noise you hear is my fax machine. It's been whirring. My research assistant has been sending me some news tidbits, and I'm going to read a few of them. See, it keeps going. She's over at the school sending me stuff that probably you didn't read in other news. So let me just read a few of them. We've had a good show so far. This one comes out of the United Kingdom. A British woman returned a book that was 130 years overdue. Alice Gillette, 77, found the book The Microscope and its revelations in her late husband's collection. Realizing it was borrowed by her grandfather, she returned it to his school, the Hereford Cathedral School, that waived the $10,000 late fee. 
<laughs> Another news tidbit did from my research assistant. She sends me Google's most searched terms of 2016. Google's most searched terms of 2016. They also call them big words. What was number one? Powerball. Number two, Prince. Number three, Hurricane Matthew. Number four, Pokemon Go. Number five, Slither.10. Number six, Olympics. Number seven, David Bowie. Number eight, Trump. Number nine, election. And number ten, Hillary Clinton. I bet some of you out there Google some of those words on this list. I'm sure you did. All right, there are some more tidbits that my research assistant sent me. Here's another one from the United Kingdom. The headline, Record Perv is 101. The story, a creepy centenarian has earned the dubious distinction of being the oldest person ever to face criminal proceedings in a British court. Accused pervert Ralph Clark, 101, hobbled into Birmingham Crown Court in England's West Midlands region to face 17 charges of sexual misconduct against two girls and a boy from 1974 to 1983. My God, they have no statute of limitations in that country? 101? Oh, my God. That's just horrible. Well, here is the latest or the last news tidbit that my research assistant sent. Sad story, too. Tragedy for newlywed rookie trooper. That's the headline. The story. A recently married rookie New York, nope, a recently married rookie New Jersey state trooper responding to an emergency call about an erratic driver on Route 55 in Millville was killed when that same driver traveling in the opposite direction crossed a median and slammed into the cop's cruiser. Trooper Frankie Williams, who was 31, was flown to a hospital in Camden where he was pronounced dead. The driver of the other car, uh, the car from Elmer, New Jersey, uh, was a fellow by the name of Lloyd Rudley. He was 61. He also died at the scene of the crime. How sad. Newlywed trooper killed. Well, those are all that I have on news tidbits. It's uh, great. We still have some more time. Sometimes I'd like to read you some words of wisdom, but I don't know that I have time to do so today. I have lots of things that people send me. A couple of years ago, I was going to speak at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, and I met a fellow by the name of Bill Davidson on the plane, a nice guy, great salesman, as I understand it. He sells medical equipment, but he's also sort of a spiritual guy, and he likes to send out things to people he meets, things to make you remember and make you think about your life. That's why I call them sort of words of wisdom. Most of them are longer than the time I have, but let's see if I can find a sort of short one. Here's one that he sent to me recently. Leaders must be environmental change agents. The leaders in any organization must be the environmental change agents. They must be more like thermostats than thermometers. At first glance, a person could confuse the instruments. Both are capable of measuring heat. However, they are really quite different. A thermometer is passive. 
It records the temperatures of its environment, but can do nothing to change that environment. A thermostat is an active instrument. It determines what the environment will be. It affects change in order to create a client. So the attitude of a leader coupled with a positive atmosphere in the organization can encourage people to accomplish great things. And consistent accomplishment generates momentum. Many times momentum is the only difference between a winning positive growth climate and a losing negative growth climate. So maybe you should think about being what? A thermostat and not a thermometer. These are words of wisdom to think of or think of or think about. I thank Bill Davidson for sending that to me. And over the years, you will, or the months that I'm with you, we will probably hear some more of those stories. I got a couple of minutes left here. What about a couple of more of my dumb criminal stories? Here's one from Nebraska. The headline, a politician with a real shed of doubt. Retired Army Colonel Tom Brewer, who is running for a seat in the state legislature of Nebraska, was accused of listing a phony address, a machine shed, while actually living in another district 400 miles away. So Brewer scheduled an open house to show off the renovated shed, which he says has bedrooms, bathrooms, and a kitchen. Secretary of State of Nebraska John Gale said the complaint was filed too late, so Brewer will be allowed to run for the 40 for the District 43 seat. A real shed of doubt. <laughs> I'm going to finish up with this one. It's from New Jersey. The headline read, What's in a name? A police officer with the interesting name of William H. Dick III was charged with misconduct and witness tampering following accusations that he had on-duty sex with a prostitute. The pro, that is the prostitute, reported the incident to police in Greenwich Township. The officer was released after posting bail and was suspended without pay. William H. Dick III. <laughs> what do you think about that? Peanut gallery. All right, you've been listening, folks. Okay, folks, I got you. Thank you, thank you. You've been listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio. I hope you will listen more. I'm going to be coming on on Thursdays on Talk Zone Radio from 1 until 2 Eastern Standard Time. But you can hear my podcast uh, on Talk Zone Radio anytime. And I hope you get a few laughs. And you can even email me. My email is lbirdsong22 at gmail.com. I hope to talk to you next week. Be good. <laughs>